0: If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well... We need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S P R E A K E R.com. Welcome to The Porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, red-letter basics, following the example of the Book of Acts Church. The porch was created, it was designed, so that we could learn how the early church served the Lord, restore the priesthood of the believer, and regain the world-shaking influence the early church had. And we do that by delving deeper into Scripture And I believe that when we do that, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. I believe much of what we see today has little or nothing to do with Jesus of Nazareth and the church that the book of Acts, Bible-believing, born-again, spirit-filled, demon-chasing, God-praising, believers-built. But I do believe the church age is still in effect. I believe the fire still falls. I believe it's available to everyone who wants it. So the day of Pentecost is ongoing. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. on solomonsporch.org if you need to contact The Porch. Or you can just go to firefalltalkradio.com. And use the contact button. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site. This is the primary home for Firefall Talk Radio. Also, by bookmarking it and subscribing, you'll know when another episode of Overwatch comes on the air. We're working on some shows, and we're just going to upload them as we feel led. So make sure you subscribe. Counting down, 10 days away from our meeting in Orlando. The weekend, Saturday, July 27th, the Rosen Inn, Point Orlando, 9000 International Drive. We're going to be in the Magnolia Room, two sessions from 2 to 5 and 7 to 10. Now, don't get freaked out. Yes, there's three-hour blocks, and if you've ever been to my seminars, I do try to cram a lot of information into a short period of time, but there will be breaks, and I'm I'm trying to do better and not overwhelm anybody, but there is a message I believe the Lord has for me to share with you, and that's what I'm working on. The doors will probably open about 1.30. I know I originally said about 1, but in, there's no there's no sign up. If you have told me you're coming, I have your name and your email address. Um, we're not charging, but we will take an offering sometime during the day uh, in each session. So just get there about one thirty. pick your seat, and we'll get started. If you haven't, let us know that you're coming. Please do. Go to firefallmediagroup.com. Use the contact button. Say, hey, I'm coming to the C Conference. Save me a seat. Go to facebook.com forward slash firefallmediagroup, or just email us at firefallmediagroup at gmail.com. Put the C Conference and say, save me a seat. Praying that everyone's supposed to be there, is there. And now I'm calling for aerial support. The warfare is pretty thick. I am still fighting this respiratory um, annoyance. And uh, if, if I sound very nasal, I apologize. At least I can speak. Less Wednesday, whoa, what just happened here? Hey, it, <laughs> this has been a battle all day. My um, Microsoft Word just crashed. And my computer has been acting up. If you, I know I said I wanted to show you a clip of the deep darkness in the night session. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do that because my computer keeps crashing when I use um, the editing software. I'm hoping I don't need a new laptop It's at that age. But these Macs are way too expensive for me to need a new one. Uh, So calling for aerial support, that was about the time it crashed. The warfare has increased. The struggle for us to come together is real, and I am believing for great things that day. I keep track of the signs of the times, and pestilence is one of those. Well, the World Health Organization on Wednesday today declared the Ebola outbreak in the Democratic Republic of Congo a global health emergency, citing the virus's recent spread into GOMA, the country's most densely populated city, over a million people. And the outbreak in the Congo has been going on for almost a year. 2,418 cases confirmed, 1,676 confirmed deaths, 12 new cases reported every day. It's the second deadliest Ebola epidemic ever. Highly contagious, 90% of all people who catch it will be affected by it. The only thing doctors can do is fluids, electrolytes to counter the side effects of the high fever, vomiting, and ensuing diarrhea. And there is no cure. We need to pray. We need to pray things like this don't come to America. And we need to really get our prayer shawls and prayer caps on. So let's start out with praise first. You enter his presence with praise. So we praise the Lord. I praise Him for this home. I praise, it for, praise Him for my wonderful wife, for my family, my sons, daughter in law's grandson, our furry kids. We have furry kids, yes. Uh, some of you call them pets. I praise Him for all of our possessions. Um, I praise Him for this ministry that He lets me work for the dreams and the visions. And you know what? Even though I don't feel Well, I praise him for his healing virtues. They're still available. I still believe in them. I'm speaking about things not as they are, but as they should be. I praise him for the ability to praise him for for everything, starting with my salvation. Without that, I have nothing. I have none of the things I've just mentioned without that. I am a new creation, so praise the Lord. I'm living in prophetic times, praise the Lord. I'm living in an America right now that I'm not sure what I'm seeing. I'm not sure I like what I'm seeing, but I like the fact that we can still talk about the Lord. We can still preach the gospel, and we can still do what we're called to do, like this show. And I praise him for the signs that he is getting ready to come back. I'm getting ready for his return and of being busy, being about my father's business, and I praise him for favor and revelation and for everything that he's doing during this time. Which means now I must pray. I must pray for the Middle East. I must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I must pray for Israel, and that means I am praying for the Prince of Peace to return, to become the Hamashiach, the Messiah. I'm praying for the fatherless and the widows and the innocents and the victims of injustice, both in and out of the womb, of every color, of every race, of every gender. Injustice is ugly, and it's not of God. He's a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness. I'm praying for our brothers and sisters around the world, and even here in America, that are being persecuted for their faith. Some are being slaughtered. They're having their homes burned down, their places of worship destroyed. And I mentioned the slaughter of the innocents, which means I'm talking about abortion. I'm sorry, I don't care if I offend anybody. Abortion is murder, and I know it does not please the Lord. I'm praying for those that are being persecuted. I'm praying against the spirit of anti-Semitism that's on the rise and the perverse, debased trafficking of humans for, for sexual purposes. I'm praying for divine wholeness, health, and healing for me, for all of you. Every day I pray to get back to my divine design, something we're going to be talking about next week in much greater detail. If if you're sick, if you're under the weather, I'm going to pray for you. You pray for me. Let's touch and agree. Wholeness, health, and healing. I'm praying for divine, Holy Spirit-filled inspiration to fill us, for the remnant to wake up, to rise up and answer the call to action. Old and young, male and female, there is no limitation to you except what you put upon yourself. And if you've been blessed, be a blessing. The porch needs you. Firefall needs you. SRT needs you. Thank you to everyone who does support us. Thank you to all of you that, that are bought into what we're doing. It's all about the kingdom and it's all his ministry. Continue to pray for and intercede for my wife, Deb, healing, restoration, renewal, and favor. Stacy in Texas is asking for really fervent prayer for her and her family. They're going through some stuff right now that cannot be spoken about on the air publicly, but please intercede for Stacy and her family. Kim in Fort Mitchell, she's excited. She's going to be there next weekend. She says, I praise my Father in heaven for giving his most valuable asset, his son, so I can be free. My salvation is the most precious thing I have, and it's also the most important. Amen to that, Kim. It makes me realize if I don't have anything else but I have that, I have everything I need. I praise Him for these conclusions, something that come out of nowhere when I least expect them. I praise Him for my children, for my husband, for my mom, my dog Bruno. I praise Him for providing for us and protecting us. Hey, here's a prayer request, folks. Father, my baby's sick. He's running a fever for two days. Took him to the hospital. No running nose. Ears are clear. Throat is normal. They don't know the source of the fever. Well, Lord, you do. So she says, heal my baby completely. Deliver my children and protect us from the enemy. Father, guide and protect my friend Stacy and the porch families. She says, I didn't, Father, I didn't realize how much evil is out there until you saved my soul. It feels like something shifted. It hurts my heart. When I see people fight bondage and strongholds without a clue what they're actually fighting. Father, give me the heart and the courage to take their hand and guide them just by sharing my own story. Provide for my children and I fix what the enemy has created or actually broken. Um, save my husband's soul as well as my mom. Forgive me for my shortcomings and hear my prayers in Jesus' name. Lord, we are not bound by natural condition. We are not bound by the world's opinion. We're only bound by your word and your spirit and your truth. So right now, your word tells us, each and every one of us, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. We can say, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. We love you. We love you with all our heart, with all of our mind, our soul, our strength. We love you with everything that is within us. And we want to love you more. We want to know you more. We want to know you on a level that is not comprehended in the human mind. And we long to see you. But until then, we'll tarry here and we'll live a life blessed by you. And we'll shine that light into the darkness. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for sending Yeshua. Lord, we love you for the fact that you loved us first. When we were unlovable, we didn't even know. We thank you for every drop of blood that you shed. You paid a horrible price. One that we could not pay. Without the remission of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I got caught up in my words because I was visualizing the cross. It breaks my heart, Lord, that you had to do that for me. But I am truly, eternally thankful. I pray that others would come to understand that more. So we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to us to remind us and to walk with us and encourage us. And I ask the Holy Spirit to do that now. There are some people I can feel it in my spirit, plus the ones I know about. They're down. They're beaten up. Let them know that you know. Let them know that you're there. Let them sense your presence. Let them hear your voice. Let them smell the incense of the throne room. If you need to show them an angel just to encourage them, Lord, please do. Speak into their heart, their mind, their soul, and their spirit. And I just thank you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word. I thank you for allowing me to do this for you. And I just pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Open your Bibles or apps, follow along, take notes. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's really what it's all about. It's really not about speaking the gospel. I mean, it is, but it's really more about living it. It's about being a light into the world. It's about being a light into this pervasive darkness that is all around us. In this fallen world that truly deserves his judgment, but is getting his grace. But we know it's all about light. And i got to be careful because I've been working so much for next weekend. I have so much information in my head that I don't want to give it all away before then. But 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. Light, that Greek word, force 68 times it's used for light, but two times it's used for fire. Isn't it amazing that even the Holy Spirit fire can give light? The Holy Spirit fire inside of you can be a light to somebody else that's in some really deep darkness like I was. It literally means to give light. It's not just light. It's an action to give light. To be seen by the eye or metaphorically to reach the mind. The problem is people in darkness have their minds clouded. They think they know the truth, but they've never heard the truth. Because man is naturally incapable of receiving spiritual light because he lacks the capacity for it. Second Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually Discern Some of you on social media and in your lives, you're trying to share things with people that they cannot possibly understand. But the one thing they can understand is love. They can understand his love, especially when they've lived a life of rejection. So we're all called sons and daughters of light, not merely because we have that revelation of God but because we have the experience of God, that new birth. So now we have the spiritual capacity to understand and to hold that light. And the more I study it, the more I base much of my teaching, much of my life, much of what I do, even with SRT, on the beginning. Let there be light. Light destroys darkness. Darkness has no power. It's just the absence of light. But it does have a destructive effect. John 3.19 tells me what that is. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. So the basis of that judgment, that end-time judgment, that standing before the throne room judgment, the test by which men are judged, the grounds for their sentence is this, that the light, capital L, Yeshua, Jesus, has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than or more than the light. They didn't want him because their works, their deeds, their actions were evil. People who live in spiritual darkness do not desire to be enlightened by Yeshua, the light of the world. But don't be fooled. Evil and darkness doesn't, exo- doesn't ignore the light. They wage a war against it. They rage against it. They try to put it down, shut it down, turn it off. But it can't. It can't extinguish the light. And in the end, their sins will be exposed. John twelve forty eight. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day. This concept of hell, I don't have time to go there now. It will sidetrack me into an emotional issue because I know people that have been fooled by the lie that there is no hell. There is no eternal darkness. There is no separation from God. A loving God wouldn't do that. That's the creation of man. No, no, no. Yeshua talked about it a lot. The disciples talked about it a lot. But God sends no one to hell. He just gives them their choice. They either choose an eternity with him by accepting his son, or they spend an eternity in painful darkness with Satan and the fallen because they've chosen them. Well oh, wait, wait, Richard, I didn't I didn't choose Satan and his demons. Yeah you did when you rejected Yeshua. And I can confirm John twelve. 48 by Revelation twenty eleven through 15. This is John the Revelator, the Apostle John. He says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book which opened, which was called the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead and who, the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. See, I'm not worried about that because I'm in the Lamb's book of life. I'm not going to be judged by the law. I'm not going to be judged by my actions because once I made that one ultimate action, that one ultimate decision of making Yeshua Lord of my life, acknowledging I needed a Savior, and accepting His payment for me on the cross, I went into a different record. But see, this light the one that set me free, it is the nature of God. See, everything I did in the occult, I could do it any time of day or night. I could do things walking down the streets in New York in the middle of the day if I needed to. But it was much more comfortable to do at night in the darkness. Well, there's a reason for that. Because God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1 5. Can I find God in the dark? Sure, I can. He can find me anywhere I am. But the fact is, darkness is the dwelling place for the things that hide from the light. Yeshua said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life, John eight twelve. 12. As long as I am the world, he said, I am the light of the world, John 9, 5. And then we are reassured that there will come a point that there will never be darkness again. Boy, doesn't that sound great? Considering everything that's going on right now, all the ugliness, all the sin, all the debauchery, uh, Satan and his angels and the demons running amok. Think about this. There's going to be a time when not only will they not be out and about, but there'll never be darkness again. It's during the Messianic reign, after the second coming, because he will be the source of all light. It was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 60, verses 19 and 20. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give, you, give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Zechariah fourteen seven, And it shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. Revelation twenty one twenty three, The city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. But until that moment happens, we are the light of the world. And so let me just say this without any common Condemnation. The reason there's so much darkness in the world right now, it's the church's fault. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are supposed to absorb that light. You are supposed to resonate his glory into the darkness so that wherever you walk, you're literally a walking glow stick. There's a visual for you. Because when you got transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and you absorbed all of that into you, you became spiritually luminescent. But every light has to have a power source. And what keeps this light on? Well, I, I think it's called the Holy Spirit Power Company. And the bill's been paid. Psalm 119, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, the word of God. And I hope some of you get convicted by the fact that you barely turn open your Bible. You you open your app, you do a daily devotion, you may read a scripture, but you don't really open it up and feed. It's the Word that keeps the fire burning within you. Because miracles, signs and wonders, because that's what we've been talking about for weeks now, are a byproduct of His Word. And His Word brings light into the darkness of this world. So wouldn't it make sense that if there's darkness in your life, if you're struggling with a besetting sin or a bondage you can't break free of, wouldn't it make sense, instead of doing drive-by scripture readings, you actually open your Bible And spend some time in it. Ask the Lord to take you where you need to go. The Holy Spirit to illuminate it for you. Begin to feed your spirit, man. Because a sure, pure word is the source of true kingdom of God light. And that's what scares the heck out of the enemy. That's what makes their scaly little bodies shake. Uh, let, let me let me go off-road here, off-topic. It's really not off-topic. It's a pet peeve. I see these memes that Christians put up. And I know I've mentioned it before, but I saw another one today. The enemy has no power. That's a lie. The enemy has a lot of power. You just have more. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Or that the enemy is afraid of you when you start praying. No, he's not afraid of you. He's nuts. He's pathologically, socially uh, psychotic. He's a psychopath, sociopath, narcissistic, everything. He's not afraid of anything. And he will challenge you. And his demons will challenge you every chance they get. Before I started the Bible study, Larry called me, and we were talking about that. I believe that we're in a period of time where the enemy's not afraid of us in the least. They know where they are in the timeline. They know what they need to do, and they're willing to risk it all to get there. Oh, if we had a church that would do that, be willing to risk it all, risk risk their friends, risk their lives, risk risk it all to serve the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. But see, here's what the enemy does. He's so, so brilliant. And I don't say that because I respect him. No, I don't respect him. I respect his abilities. But I... Careful word here. Thank you, Lord. Uh, careful word. I, I detest him. Mm-hmm. I do. 2 Corinthians 11, starting verse 13. Paul was dealing with what the enemy was trying to do to stop the word of God said, these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Messiah. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Satan had infiltrated the church even then. Within a few decades of the death and resurrection of of the Lord, he had infiltrated the church. He wasn't afraid of the church. He was afraid of what the church was doing and was willing to do anything to try to stop it. So what he does, he inspires false teachers and ministers to imitate, even to do miracles, fake signs and wonders. Because the Lord warned us about that. We're seeing that today. I have so many people tell me about who they go to see, or who they listen to, or where they go. And I wonder, are there no discerning of spirit because they've been tricked by the show? Matthew 24, 24 for false messiahs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse eight through twelve, warns us of this. And the lawless one will be revealed. That's the antichrist. That's the son of perdition. That is, of course, the one working through the power of Hasadon will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume. With the breath of his mouth. Isn't that amazing? The same breath that created Adam and created life. That breath as he speaks the word will consume the antithesis of life itself. And he will destroy him with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the workings of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them a strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There, there are people on social media that have hundreds of thousands of followers, celebrities that have millions that will tell you, Grace, grace, it's all its grace. I can sin my butt off and he's going to forgive me. Well, that's true. But it doesn't mean the enemy's not going to punch your ticket because you're not under his covering when you're in sin. That's the deception. Do as you will please, do as thy will. As long as you don't hurt anybody, it's okay. But you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your soul. You're hurting, you're risking your eternity. But think about what he says. It's no wonder because Satan, the prince of darkness, can disguise himself as an angel of light and his servants, who are ministers of evil, can disguise themselves as ministers of righteousness because the main tool that they have is deception. False teachers are able to deceive the church because they pretend to be just like the apostles themselves. And this isn't a surprise to mature, mature disciples, because they already know and probably have already been victim of Satan's most destructive efforts when he transforms himself. That metamorphosis, that change, he's a shapeshifter, not in the little term of the science fiction movies. He can make you think he is whatever he needs you to think he is. He can make you see whatever he wants you to see. He has the ability, I believe, through the sound of his voice and the resonance of that voice to manipulate thought, emotion. I have news for you. If you're spirit-filled, moving in the gifts, moving in the power, he's got power, but the power inside of you is the one that created him. I believe any can transform his outward appearance too. But they all have the same objective, destruction. They also have the same outcome, destruction. Their deeds, which are wicked, will be punished. Maybe not in my time frame, but definitely at the end. And you know, to expose his deceitful shape-shifting, taking the Word and manipulating it to his own things. we need to be transformed. We need a metamorphosis out of this world and into the kingdom of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is he desires everyone to be saved, but he has a specific way in which they must do it because the iniquity, the inbred sin in their life can only be cured by one thing, the blood of the lamb. And when they are transformed out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of, of this world, into his kingdom, it's a complete overhaul of their mind, of their beliefs, of their very character. And this metamorphosis, it's an ongoing process in the flow of perpetual change. As the Holy Spirit, that dunamis, which is a self-replicating power, that change is affected. And, and this light, I like light. I really do. I mean, I know that sounds dumb, but I mean, I like being out in the sun. I like sunshine. Because light cures. It dries things out. It heals. Today I got to sit in the sun a little bit by the pool to absorb some of the vitamin D and to feel better. But see, that was the message of Pentecost. The message of Pentecost was the kingdom of God power for the very thing we're discussing. And you cannot have light without a power source. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire. Gee, we had sound and light. Tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages, other tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, they heard it. They were outside. They were down the street, they were next door, and they heard this wind. They heard the sound. They heard them speaking in tongues. They were bewildered and because they heard their own languages being spoken by the believers. Jumping down to Acts 2, verse 12. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? And they asked each other. But others in the crowd began to ridicule them. You're always going to get those. These are just drunk, that's all. And then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, much too early for that. No, what you see here was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And he began to speak the word and began to speak prophecy. Of course, he's filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit now. This isn't the Peter that ran and denied him. This isn't the Peter from before. This is a new Peter. This is the transformed Peter. This is literally a born-again Peter. And then when he gets done, he says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Yeshua, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises to you and to your children, and even to the Gentiles all who have been called by the name of the Lord our God. And Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourself from this crooked, perverse generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Sound and light and fire Pentecost was God's way of lighting a way out of the darkness for mankind. People that were caught in darkness, people who walked in darkness, have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Isaiah 9-2, fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Remember what he said in John 9-5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But wait, wait a second, Lord, you left, you took off. No, as long as the Holy Spirit's in us. He's made us the light of the world. And then they went out and they did it. I mentioned it last week, the healing of the man uh, at the uh, gate beautiful. Peter used as an opportunity to share the gospel. They'd never seen anything like this before. This man had been lame since birth. Now he's dancing and jumping and leaping. And he tells them, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus the Messiah, who has preached to you before. You know, folks, too many people today are timid. Oh, I don't want to say that. I don't want to offend anybody. Would you rather offend the Lord when he shows you you had an opportunity to preach the gospel to somebody, to share the testimony that you have, to shine your light into their darkness, and you let it go? I'm more afraid of offending my heavenly Father and my Lord than any human being on this earth. If he says say it, I'm going to say it. But the New Testament writers, the, 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 the Book of Acts people, they were walking in a power, that dunamis, inherent ability, which made them supernatural in origin. I mean, think about that. God bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. That's Hebrews 2 4. This is the life they were living. Where is that? It's hidden behind walls. Oh, you want to see that? Come to church on Sunday. The world needs to see it. Might you get arrested? Yeah, you might get a ticket, you might go to jail. It hasn't happened yet to me or to my brothers, but it might. We're perfectly cognizant of the fact that we may get sent somewhere, do what we do, and get arrested on the way out of town. Because Satan will control the law enforcement and the other powers that be in that area. So be it. See, because we were once darkness, every one of us that are on this team, every one of us that walk this walk, we were once darkness, but now we are light in the Lord, and we walk as children of the light. Ephesians five eight. I might add, we strut as children of the light. I mean, shoulders squared back, head up, children of the light. We're not hiding. We're not cowering. We're not hoping you can't see us. No, we want you to see us. Because believers draw people to God by their lives, by their walk, by the light that shines out of them. But you have to go out. I was fooled into thinking, well, I'll just, you know, I'll get invited, I'll give my testimony, I'll do the church thing. And then once we left traditional religion, left Christian heritage and started the home church, we started going down to the park where the homeless people hung out, and we began to minister to them, and we began to bring them back to our my house, Deb, Deb and I's house, and uh, home church, and signs and wonders flowed, and the spirit flowed, and it was awesome, that's two words, awesome, because we were being the church. We had played church before, but now we were the church. Philippians 2.15 That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul's describing a crooked and perverse generation. He's describing the kingdom of darkness which is the opposite of the kingdom of God. A world that turns away from the truth while using its corrupt hand to influence and oppose the truth. We're we're seeing that today. Nothing's changed. And he says, shine as lights. And he's depicting believers like you and me as stars, celestial stars, not movie stars whose light penetrates the spiritual darkness of a perverse world. Yeshua said, I am the light of the world. As he is, so are we. You know, the word manifest, I I just learned this today. Manifest means brilliantly seen. And we accomplish this more by how we shine than by what we say. I've heard people that talk the talk, don't walk the walk, and there's no light in them. But in Egypt, you know, if they don't have electrical power, they'll take a candle and they'll put it in an alabaster or onyx vase. And once the light is put inside of that vase, the whole thing begins to glow. It becomes luminous. That's what we're supposed to be like when Yeshua is in our hearts. I read a story today about an Australian preacher. He went to a small church in the bush to preach, and it was dusk by the time he got there. The church had no light, and he's wondering what what is he going to do. And then he sees twinkling lights, moving through the bush coming towards him and it was the congregation arriving and each person had a hurricane lamp and as they came in they placed their lamp upon a shelf around the chapel wall pretty soon the whole place was flooded with light each person had contributed to the light and dispelled the darkness Your share of light is needed. It's desperately needed to illuminate the gospel and drive back the darkness. So we need to show ourselves blameless and guileless and innocent and uncontaminated. Children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable, in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse doubly disgusting among whom you are seen as bright lights stars or beacons shining out clearly into a dark world holding fast holding forth steadfast in your desires to shine being a constant blade blaze feeding the fire making sure the oil is right making sure the wick is trimmed and defying the darkness to overcome your light, we know the darkness can't do that, but you know what the darkness can do. He he can trick you into turning your light off. He can trick you into just keeping it keep it keep it home. Shine all you want in your bedroom or your car and your you know in your prayer closet. Oh, shine shine away, but don't take that to work. Don't take that to the supermarket. Don't take that to the gym. Oh, no, no. Now, I look at the disciples, and I don't know if I could live their life. I, I believe that I could. Uh, as I get older, it's something I think about. Paul lived a tough life. Peter, all the disciples. Paul was in prison. He gets dragged before King Agrippa. And what does he do in defending himself? He uses it as an opportunity to preach the gospel. I'm in Acts 26, starting verse 12. And while thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O King, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Yeshua, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you, and I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. See, but that's not the first time he gave that same testimony. does it in Acts twenty-two in another place. And he talks about the, the light shining around him and being driven to the ground. His compatriots see the, see the light, but they don't hear the sound. Sound and light. Hmm. They they don't understand the words. They don't know that it's the Lord speaking to him. If the light of the Holy Spirit is present, then we can trust the miracles and the signs and the wonders, because it means the Lord is present. But I have to warn you, if a real miracle, signs and wonders, are present, the counterfeit can't be far behind. Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician, mathematician, physicist, inventor, writer, and theologian, says this about miracles. It has appeared to me that the real cause... That there are so many false miracles, false revelations, etc., is that there are true ones. For it would not be possible that there should be so many false miracles unless they were true, not so many nor so many false religions unless there was one that is true. For if all that is ever has been, it's impossible. So many others should have believed it. Thus, in conclusion, if there are no true miracles, since there are many false, then we must, on contrary, say no. The false miracles are there because of the true miracles. I can take everything he just said and put it in one line. For a counterfeit to work, there must be real ones to mimic. But if the church abdicates its power, its position, if it's absent, the enemy's glad to fill it in false messiahs false prophets are going to rise up and deceive many the lord warned us in matthew 24:24 24, 24. revelation 13:14 the people on the earth are going to see signs which are granted to do in the sight of the beast revelation 16:14 the spirits of the demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of god so not all miracles are proof of God's approval. And therein lies the big deception in what I see in the church today. Oh, we we had signs and wonders. Okay. Who were they from? Satan could do them too. Matter of fact, even in the Old Testament, there was a warning against those who could do signs and wonders. And if they didn't line up with the word if they didn't follow the word, if they didn't confirm the word, in the Old Testament they were told to kill those people. A prophet or a dreamer of dream gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder comes to pass which he spoke to you, and then says, let's go after other gods which you've not known, and let's serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, keep his commandments, obey, obey his voice and serve him, hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God. Why? Why would they be put to death? Because in the, the the spirit inside of them was from the spirit of the fallen. It was the same spirit that caused the flood Thankfully, grace abounds now when people have an opportunity to get saved, healed, and delivered. But the Lord said, his sheep hear his voice, they know his voice, and they follow only him. So I'm going to say, if if you're born again, and the Holy Spirit is in you, you're unlikely to be fooled by another voice. I see people fooled because they don't know enough of the word. They don't know enough the Word that when the Word is twisted and presented deceitfully to them, they, they can't argue with it. The other problem I see is that the natural, non-spirit-filled mind can be deceived because it relies on its own abilities, its own knowledge, its own discernment. If you're missing the discerning of spirits, you're an open door to deception. That's really what this is all about. If you're going to be a light into the world, then the light that you are shining must be a pure light. It must come from the Holy Spirit. And you can't rely on natural things. You can't listen to people that tell you, oh, there's no more gifts, there's no more miracles, there's no, oh, that was then, this is now. Uh, get away from that person as quick as you can. Because the supernatural aspects of the Bible, the supernatural aspects of the living God has never stopped, has never ceased. We need to be his light. We need to be his love. We need to be his power. We need to be his way. And we need to tell his story. Because in his story is history. Father, I just come to you now on behalf of your children. And if anyone listening has been deceived, if they've listened to anything that sounded like it was truth and it wasn't, and they have allowed it to imprint their heart, mind, soul, or spirit, I pray that you would expose it and cast it out of them. I pray that the glory of your presence from the throne room would envelop them and purge them of every unclean thing. Clear their minds, clear their hearts, their souls, and their spirits. Pour pure oil into their lamp so that they can shine before the world. Lord, we need this right now. The world is darker and darker by the moment, but nowhere near as dark as it's going to be. Let us shine. Let us shine boldly, openly, and lead people out of that darkness to you. We need your help to do that. In and of ourself, it's not possible. Take away our fears. Take away the fear of rejection. Take away the wounds that have come from before. And light our path. Show us who to speak to. Show us what to do. Show us where to go. That person that needs to hear from you how much you love them. Needs to know that there's hope. Needs to know that you're there with them. And Holy Spirit, I know that you desire to do this. I know that's why you ascend here. I know that you yearn to fulfill your calling. So have your way with us. Do as you will so that we can do as he wills. And I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Go on. Go out there. Go shine so let your light shine. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, fifty nine ninety nine and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just eighty four ninety nine. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back to school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off with promo code Notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See Store or Kohl's.com for details.